Needs the five to they tie got, it. They got to hold. They got to hold up the win. wings. They got to hold up those guys. Yeah, the Gunners are getting free up. Massey's trying to get that gunner over the right. He cannot. Here he comes now. Can he get it? Perkins slips. Got it. Perkins for the record. Breaks free. Looking for the third touchdown. Down the sideline. Antonio Perkins. Three punt return touchdowns and a new NCAA record. September 20th, 2003, Antonio Perkins takes not one, not two, but three punt returns back to the house against UCLA. An NCAA record, an OU record that still stands today, and an OU record that I think will never be broken ever again. And Travis, that leads us to a Twitter question that we have out today. That is, as Peyton Bowen would say, booming right now. Which individual OU record has the best chance to never be broken? Samaj P. Ryan's 427-yard rushing day, Landry Jones and his 16,646 career passing yards, Antonio Perkins and his three punt return touchdowns in one game, Sam Bradford's 50 touchdown passes in one season back in 2008, Cedric Jones's uh, 31 and a half career sacks. Or the option of other. We'll get to a lot of your responses today on both Twitter and the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But, Travis, I don't know if any of those will ever be broken again. The question is, which one has the best chance to be broken, I guess? Yeah, well, I would have to just guess where the game is going, right? Because, you know, it's becoming more pass-heavy. You know, the rules are going against defense. Um you know, so I think running records uh, are big. So I would probably stick with Samaje P. Ryan. And honestly, with the rules changes, like you look at the XFL, Tyler, and you look what they're trying to do with, um, you know, the kickoffs, making them safer, this, that, and the other. I feel like eventually that in the name of player safety or speed or whatever argument they're using these days, I think they might change punting. Yeah, at some point well, they already have. I mean, you know, right, even, right, right. Yeah, but but I hear you. Yeah, like, but so, but I think if you just look at where the game will go, I think that's when, especially when you're talking like 20 year old records, like that's where I think I don't think there's going to be that many opportunities uh, to run that much, and I don't think there's going to be that many opportunities to return that many punts. Uh, that 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 Perkins game is actually one of my one of my first ever OU games to go to. So I was I was treated to I was like, man, this. Nice. This, this this OU team's pretty good. They just do this all the time. This is fantastic. I, I kind of maybe I got a little in over my head, but uh, even the sack record you look at, right? And it's you know there's a lot more dropback passing now. You know people are spread out. Like so, I think personally, uh, I think personally the rushing and return records would be safest. What say you? Yeah. Well, first off, I guess I got to clarify this a little bit more. This question. This is individual records. This is not team records. Because someone texted in and said, "Well, it's the 47 game win streak. Like, why are we talking about this? This isn't even a question. Individual, not team." But I do agree with that statement. Like when we talk about how college football is is moving forward or where it's going in the future. 
the 47-game win streak, to me, even in the BCS era, was always going to be intact. But now with the 12-team playoff, the 47-game win streak will never be broken ever again, in my opinion. And I'm not sure very many – I don't know if anyone's ever really going to get close to that. So, But, yes, I do agree. OU's 47-game win streak, to me, is going to be, I think, forever intact. My opinion is the punt return for everything that you just said, Travis. Like, punt returns have already changed significantly since Antonio Perkins broke that record in 2003. And I went back and looked at this past year in college football and the most punt return yards of the entire year. The most punt return yards was 392 in college football this year. Antonio Perkins probably had close to that all by himself in just that one game against UCLA. (laughs) So that just shows you how much the game has changed in terms of special teams. Most teams may not even get three putt returns in a game. I just, I I don't know, man. I I don't think, especially from an OU side of things, but I think even from a college football side of things, I'm not not sure that that gets broken. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's funny because when you see Antonio Perkins, I always remember that he wore number 28, right? So at the time, you're thinking, man, 28, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty good number to be uh, University of Oklahoma in that, in that you know, time frame there in the next uh, few years. Um, a nice record-setting number, no doubt. But, yeah, I think, again, rules, man. Like, you, just have to, you just have to think that some things like when like the NFL rules were changing away from, like, kickoffs right when they were moving the kickoff around like that's why so many agents like joshua cribs's agent and a couple others that were like hey look like you're basically going to make my player like my client obsolete yeah like 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 my guy my guy went from pro bowler one of the biggest weapons in the sport one rule change now my guy is out of the league i mean that's a pretty dramatic shift right yeah Yeah, um i i just for everything that we've already said i think that's when that one's going to be tough to beat I think Landry's 16,646 career passing yards is going to be tough as well. Um, and, and I'm looking at this mostly from an OU side of things. Is there going to yeah. be a, you know, a, a future OU player that breaks that? One, you're about to enter into a tougher defensive conference. I don't think the SEC is the same league it was 15 years ago. I think it's more of an offensive conference than it's ever been. But still, like you see it in recruiting. The level of athlete that they get defensively is a lot different than the conference that you are going to be leaving. And plus, you just don't see quarterbacks stick around and start for four years anymore. And maybe OU has one of those guys. Maybe Jackson Arnold is that guy. I I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. But regardless, even if you do start four years, you are in no way guaranteed to have 16,000 passing yards, over 16,000 to beat Landry's number. That's I think that one's going to be really tough to beat too. Do you think there's a, there's a possibility – like, again, when you think rule changes, do you think that the evolution of NIL may make it possible for a player to, you know, forego the draft process maybe a couple years longer because they're making such good money in college? Uh, you know, obviously I think, you know, we've had the conversation a bunch. I, I don't think it can ever compare to, you know, first-round money. Like, I think it's silly to try and say, yeah. like, when, when they were talking about, oh, we're putting together – money to try and get Anton back like no that's that you're, you're not going that's not a good use of that money but if Texas, you have a quarterback that's third or fourth rounds right? you know I mean yeah right I, I could see that sure yes so I mean when you look at that and you say hey look you can either go fourth round and see if 
you know, and get lost on an NFL roster somewhere and try and make a team and do all that. Or you can be the guy making maybe more money in college and, I mean, almost like a like a Stetson Bennett type situation. You know what I mean? Like if he were the guy and you're like, hey, I keep winning titles here. If Stetson Bennett had more eligibility and just sticking around, hey, I'll win national titles, I'll make good money. And I'm I'm not a top ten pick, you know what I mean? Yeah, may, yeah, yes, I do know what you mean. Uh, maybe for the individual OU record that has the best chance to never be broken, maybe the right way to look at it is to look at the record that's been around the longest. You know, P. Ryan's 427 rushing yard day. That's about what nine years old this year, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landry's career mark is a little over ten years old. Uh, Perkins was in 2003. Sam's was in 2008. Cedric Jones has, in terms of the individual OU records that were listed here, and there's far others that could be included in this list, but Cedric Jones' 31 and a half career sacks is much older than any of these records on there. So no, we, we've seen some really good defenses since Cedric Jones had the 31 and a half career sacks. We've seen kind of different eras of college football almost during that time, too. Maybe that's the OU record that'll never be broken because it's out of this group right here, it's been around the longest. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. You know, I think even with the even with the rushing record, you think okay, a lot of people do running back by committee. I mean, there's not really even a true even NFL wise like a bell cow, right? Like, hey, you know what? We're gonna hand it off to you, you know, forty five times. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, even even Bijan who had a ton of carries, I would have given him more carries. But people are worried, and running backs know that now, right, Tyler? They're like, hey, look, we've seen what happened to, like, the Mark Ingrams of the world and things like that where, you know, they just didn't have any tread on their tires left once they got to the NFL. So I think we've taken this weird kind of turn that I never thought we'd take. Like, running backs don't want to be the only running back in the class anymore. You know what I mean? They want to be part of that committee to where they can still show off their ability, showcase their ability for NFL scouts. They want to win. You know, they do want to rack up some stats, obviously. But, I mean, you can't look at it and be like, all right, look, I want to be the only guy that gets touches back here because NFL scouts are going to look at it and be like, dude, this guy's already a third-year pro body-wise. Yeah. Gunny says JFA will break Sam uh, Sam Bradford's 50 touchdowns in a season. Boy, uh, that would be damaging to the uh, to the whole SEC if JFA were to throw for uh, 50 touchdowns in his first year in the Southeastern Conference. Well, oh, I, you know, it, it's 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 one of those, and you got to think about Tennessee this past year, right? Like with Jalen Hyatt, like he was running, I mean, just running by dudes back there, and Josh Heupel, that offense that he runs, it's he confuses so many defensive backs and makes them make a decision early. And so you can have, like, Hendon Hooker was putting up insane numbers this year before he got hurt. Yep. So it can be done. I mean, and it's, and it's not like Tennessee was playing, you know, Alcorn State, you know, every No, week. and their number one receiver was hurt most of the year. Like, Jalen exactly. Hyatt wasn't the number one receiver coming into the year, but he sure emerges one with, like, five touchdown catches against Bama with, like you said, running wide open. Exactly. So I think when it comes to the, you know, move to the SEC, of course. I mean, it it, it is – it's a better conference. There are better teams there. There, there. You will not get any other argument from me. But, Tyler, we ha- we do have evidence that you can throw on these people. No, oh, 100%. Because it just got done. Yeah. The 31 and a half uh, sacks has the best chance to get beat. That's from the 405. I like this one from the 405 as well. Here's an OU record that will never be broken. Steve Owens, 
958 career carries and a record that was accomplished in only three years. <laughs> yeah, 958 career carries in three years. I, w- I would agree with that. That <laughs> yes, will never, never. Someone's getting fired and canceled uh, if, if that one ever gets broken, I'm sure. I, uh, I, there's a, uh, a college football Twitter account, uh, Alex Anstead, I think is his name. And uh, anyways, he's been tweeting out the all-time win percentage leaders of each conference. So he tweeted out the SECs. And Tyler, off the top of your head, do you know where OU and Texas would rank all-time win percentage in the SEC? Um, I would think, I mean, the only team in the SEC that would be close to OU is Alabama. I'm going to say OU would rank one. Texas would fall behind Bama, I'm guessing. Oh, geez, Texas might rank higher than I initially thought. I'm going to guess OU would rank one and Texas would rank three. Who do you who do you think would be fourth? Tennessee. Yep. Well, you've got OU and Alabama flipped. Okay. So Alabama is one, and then it goes OU, then it goes Texas, then it goes Tennessee. So when he put up, hey, you know, here's the rankings, I said, well, Tennessee's going to drop to fourth in a hurry. And, you know, people, I guess, who have been living under a rock are like, well, nothing's going to happen in a hurry. You know, this is, you know, this is, you know, the entire program's winning percentage. I was like, Oh, buddy, let me tell you, OU and Texas are coming to the conference. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Paul told you, but um, they're on the way. So uh, that, that's funny, and, and that's kind of what I was leading into this Patrick text was. We need to break all SEC records to make them mad. <laughs> In like the first three years, right? Just rewrite the record books and make it your conference. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's kind of what yes. Brady did with the NFC, right? Like, like when it when it went to like NFC playoff wins, like I think he's got I don't know like more than Aaron Rodgers already or something. Yeah, like the that. same like, amount as the Dallas Cowboys uh, until yeah. the Cowboys beat him, which was <laughs> not great for a Cowboys fan like me. Oh, but that but that would be essentially the the equivalent to it, right? As a team, like hey. I only spent a little bit of time here, and I'm already I'm already catching up to some of you fools. Uh, Greg from Lawton says, never is a long time, but I think 427 yards is safe. Special teams is becoming a lost art, and someone will eventually take advantage of it and threaten the three returns. Perk still demand, no matter what. 427 yards, I would think, is safe, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean the- like Kansas that day, it was like – P. Ryan was awesome. Don't get me wrong. Pretty pathetic performance, though, by KU that day. Like You're going to have to have a combination of a great running back, like Samaje was, all-time leading rusher in OU history, by the way, and a pretty pathetic performance. Like KU looked totally disinterested to play that day. So th- there's, there's going to have to be a lot of factors, I think, to get to 427 in a single game. Well, and it was, yeah, you're right. You're talking about factors like it was crappy weather. Like, he was a mutter that day. It was yeah, against a crappy team. And I'll tell you what, man, Samashi Piran, he's not known for his breakaway speed, but that dude can scoot. Man, he was he was scooting, he, you know, getting those top-end runs, because that's what you need, right? You can't be like, okay, I'm gonna, you're not going to get the carries anymore, so you have to bust a bunch of just long runs, kind of like, uh, like Michigan did against Ohio State uh, this year, like big 60-yard touchdowns, 65-yard touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's safe. And, and Tyler, I think it's – I think in the RBU conversation, I think I think we should get credit for Adrian having the NFL record too. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, are, are you just trying to bolster OU's claim that they are running back you? Is that what you're saying? Right, because, yeah. I mean, if we're talking single-game records, I think it's pretty unique that two different OU oh, running okay. backs yeah, I gotcha. yeah. have – one has the NFL single-game rushing record in 07, 296 yards for my Vikings. Um, and then, obviously, Samaje. I think that's pretty impressive right there. Melvin Gordon broke it a week earlier than P. Ryan says a texture in the 918. That's why it's most likely to be broken. Yeah, that's the uh, that's one of the best parts about it is I'm sure Madison Sports Talk Radio, if that exists, maybe it's Milwaukee Sports Talk Radio, they were probably having a similar dis- discussion that we were having after the game. Like, <laughs> 400 yards like that? I, I just don't know how that ever gets broken. And then Samaj P. Ryan does it the very next week. Poor they Melvin probably, Gordon. They Poor. probably had like a – like a ceremony set up where they were going to like present him like with the record ball and all this kind of stuff like (laughs) like a couple weeks later maybe like the next home Uh. game or something like that maybe they were away the next week and while they were finally getting that ready they were watching hey 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 tune into tune into this KU game real quick well why would we do that uh well we might need to get Melvin that ball a little bit early yeah no kidding uh Tyler from Kellyville nobody will beat the record for most crotch grabs in a single game Baker is safe yeah, what was the official count on that? Was that three, four? How, how many were we counting there? Um, Tom Herman is coaching again, so it is in jeopardy. I would have to, I would have to look that up. I'm not sure. I will be googling crotch grabs. Um, you know, that's that's not great in the old search history. So I'm gonna go with, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go with your best guess on three that or time. four. I'll leave yeah. that to you. Okay. Yeah. Steve Owens, 55 carries in one game. Yeah, there, there's several of these individual records that will never be broken again. Yeah, exactly. Well, and again, yeah, especially the old school. As the era has shifted, right, like back when Stafford was was throwing, like, for the Lions, like he set the NFL record for pass attempts in a season, and then the next year he broke his own record. But, like, that, but that's like – it's just the way the sport evolves, right? So – that's why you have to consider it, and yeah, nobody's nobody's carrying the ball. Fifty-five carries again. There's not enough time, like with the rule changes with the no. clock. You know, there's not enough time to carry it fifty times, fifty-five times. I mean, it, it went so far the other way. Do you remember? I didn't think I'd be bringing up Tom Brady twice today, but do you remember the Patriots game where they didn't have a rushing attempt? Uh, no, like they, but that doesn't like, surprise me. They had like a bunch of uh, they like had a bunch of running backs hurt or something like that, and all those you know. Like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis was not available that yeah, week. He was on the yeah, shelf. Like all, all their uh, all their random uh, um, running backs that they always used to have, which was terrible in fantasy because you never knew who was going to get the workload. Um, yeah, they went one game. They had everybody hurt, and it was just Brady just got the ball out so quick that it was like, all right, we're just going to do the quick pass game all day. And I think they won. Oh, of course they won. Like we all know that they definitely won. <laughs> All right, 405-651-3439. Keep those texts coming on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. More college football next right here on The Rush. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The Buick family is all here at Dorsey Jones Buick. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt U.S. Kids and the Ad Council. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, 405-651-3439. Some people just can't help themselves. Text line says, Davis Bevel's performance in OU Texas will never be broken. 
Yeah. <laughs> Multiple yeah. people are bringing up that performance. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> but hey, speaking of OU Texas, I guess the big news on this show yesterday was Texas AD Chris uh, Chris Del Conte saying, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and ask the SEC if we can just have the OU Texas game at 2.30 starting in 2024. A little bit of a programming note, tomorrow morning at 7.30 on the T-Row in the morning show, Joe Castiglione will be on the air. So I don't know if Toby and TJ plan on asking Joe C about Chris Del Conte's um, remarks about OU Texas and the SEC, if he would prefer it to be 2.30 versus 11 a.m. I guess you'll just have to tune in tomorrow at 7.30 and find out. But I'll be very interested to hear uh, what, what Joe C. has to say. I, uh, I figure you as an 11 a.m. OU Texas guy. Do, do I have that wrong? Uh, no, I'm, a, I'm an 11 a.m. guy. I think 2.30 actually is the perfect time for the game. Like I, I think I can agree on that and still say I prefer 11 a.m. Uh, I like getting an early start on it. I like 11 a.m. Kick, kickoffs outside of Norman anyways uh, because, you know, you get that going, and then you can just relax and watch football the rest of the day as opposed to, you know, always thinking, oh, okay, we got a plan to get to the game later. we got to do all this. If you just get it up and knock it out, then, then you're in good shape. Uh, but, yeah, I think the funniest thing, Tyler, to come out of this, uh, in my opinion, is all the SEC programs already whining about it. Dude, did you see them yesterday? Like, Dude, get like back to the line, Rook. Like, shut yeah. up. Like, what, what, really? Yeah, all these people, you you think you can come in and run this conference? <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? Uh, the reason we're coming to your conference is because your boss thought, like, that. They, he wanted us. Like, your boss thought we would be valuable. You know, one of the reasons he thought we'd be valuable? That OU Texas game. Like, so... Don't, you know, don't think, hey, man, you guys, you're going to come in here and run stuff. Well, we already have a bit of a a big stick to swing, if you will. God, this SEC crowd, like the Big 12 crowd on social media, there's not, I mean, outside of OU and Texas, there's not a whole lot there, you know, other than, uh, what's his name, Larry Cyclone or Cyclone Larry, I guess. There's not a whole lot of Big 12 representation that you see every day on social media. This SEC crowd is already just insufferable, man. Good God. I mean, they whine about everything. Whatever, Rook. Yeah, get to the back of the line. You want a 2.30 kickoff. We're asking for a 2.30 kickoff here, not prime time over uh, Alabama-Auburn or anything like that. Like, you have nothing else going on that weekend. Shut up. I already yeah, can't stand it, these people. Yeah, exactly. Like, they don't even know when their own rivalries are played. I mean, the only game that has matched up on OU Texas weekend the last, you know, few times I believe they've played it has been – Alabama and A&M, which, I mean, they've been good games, but you can't tell me, I mean, that it's even in the same galaxy as no, big of a rivalry. Not. Like, it, not it was even only a the... big deal this year because Jimbo popped off the way that he did. That was the only reason. Right. It's it's So, if if SEC fans want to say, oh, man, we got to protect that Alabama-Texas A&M rivalry, give me a break. Again, we're in this conference for a reason. It's because we have big historic brands that carry a lot of eyeballs with them. You can, you know, you can say get to the back of the line. All right, well, look at the TV ratings then. Do those TV ratings belong at the back of the line? I don't think they do, Tyler. I'm going to ask you a question that you texted me uh, on Monday. Um, you know, it was Friday, February 14th at 7:12 p.m. Actually, it wasn't that. It was Friday, February 10th at 5:15 p.m. Um, we know the SEC takes care of Alabama and Georgia. 
Does the SEC brass want OU and Texas to succeed right away? Or do they want to beat them down with tough schedules? I'm going to ask the very same question you asked me, then I'll give my opinion. What do you think? Well, I, I definitely want to get the text line to weigh in on this because I, I think that it's a, I think it's very nuanced, right? So Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Give us your opinions on this. Do you think, knowing that the SEC takes care of their, their top schools, takes care of their big dogs, do you think the brass wants us to succeed or wants us to get a harsh dose of reality and struggle in the SEC. Tyler, personally, I think they want us to succeed. Okay. I, per- I think they want us to succeed because, you know, if you go out and, and, you know, get a new brand, get a couple new toys, you don't want them to then break right away, right? You're like, you don't want, you don't want to bring home, uh, you know, those toys and, uh, I guess in Toy Story fashion, be like, oh, well, you can't compare to what I already have. Well, if we can't compare to what you already have, then why are we here anyways, right? You know that OU's got massive, massive appeal. You know that Texas has massive, massive appeal, two of the biggest brands in the country. I would guess that the brass itself wants TV ratings because that means money. I think the best thing to happen financially for the SEC is for Texas and Oklahoma to succeed because I don't think the SEC has as much pride as the, um, you know, as the fan bases do to say, like when Arkansas and Missouri and Mississippi State have said, well, you know, you guys would be a two-win team if you came to the SEC. Yeah, we would, we'd go undefeated in the Big 12. I don't care. We'd go undefeated against those teams. I, I think those are the only people that want OU to struggle because it proves them right that the SEC really is built different, and I, I do believe it is. But I just – and I, I think the schedule will show it. You know, if we get, Tyler, if we get, like, you know, at LSU, at Alabama, at Georgia, and then our three games that, you know, three rivals that we play that have been rumored, then, yeah, I think I think we'll, we'll obviously see that. But I think they want their two brand-new products to look really good. No, that's a good point. I think what the SEC fan wants and what the SEC brass wants are probably a lot different. The SEC fan is the exact opposite of what you just said. The SEC fan, the random Alabama fan, the Auburn fan, the Tennessee fan, whatever, they want OU and Texas to go into the league and be 5-7 and seven the first three years just so they can puff their chest out and say, see, it is just different around here, isn't it? Now, that, that, that's what the fan wants. Now, what the brass wants is probably a little bit different, and I, I think that you make some good points there is that, yeah, you want massive TV ratings with your new rivalry, your new toys, as you said, OU and Texas. The SEC wants the most teams in the new 12-team college football playoff as possible, and their best chance to get that as many teams as possible if OU and Texas are really good. And here's the thing. If they wanted OU and Texas to suck, they would probably throw them a tougher schedule or a tougher three-game rotating schedule than Texas, Arkansas, and Missouri, right? Like they and, and maybe they will, but if that is exactly who they get, which is what most people believe, I think, that's a very manageable three-game schedule. Like Auburn, for instance, there's a thought that Auburn might have to play Georgia, Alabama, and LSU every single year in their three-game rotating schedule. That's a little bit different than what OU and Texas are going to have. So, 
Yeah, I, no, I would. No I would actually probably tend like the SEC fan thinks totally different. And that's fine. Like whatever. The SEC brass, though, like yeah, I think that they would probably. I, I, I don't know if they care one way or the other if they take over Bama and Georgia, but I don't think the brass necessarily wants them to come in and be six and seven right away. We've got some decent uh, replies. Actually, a bunch of replies. I just reloaded the screen, and my goodness, we've got replies to this. Yeah, Art Ardmore sooner says. SEC wants us to catch that beat down. We've got uh, 405. I hope they give us the gauntlet. OU isn't an easy out when they're running proper, and to give us the hard stuff, that means Bama, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, all lined up. We win two of those, and it shuts those clowns up. 405, I think the SEC wants us to succeed but not dominate, at least not at first. That's kind of what I was hinting to um, a little bit there. I don't care whether they take care of OU or not. The Big 12 is sick of us being in the conference, and I'm sick of shelling out thousands of dollars for a year for season tickets for sorry 11 a.m. games. Um, Jesse says SEC teams that draw eyeballs, they need them to be good. OU and Texas draw eyeballs. Uh, Frisco Sooner, hell no, they don't want OU and Texas to succeed. They just care about eyeballs, and that will happen regardless because of the brands. Yeah, I, I think mostly that's right, but the, the eyeballs will increase if OU and Texas come into the league and immediately have success. So, I, what what do you think? Most people are split here on the text line of what the SEC brass wants. Yeah, the ones I'm reading. Uh, yeah, I think I think some people, you know, are kind of including their thoughts in it, saying, "Hey, you know what? Give us the gauntlet, right? Let's see, you know, if we're really about that life." And again, it may be fueled by, you know, what? Let's put. LSU and Georgia and Alabama on the schedule because that means we might get to host them, yeah. and I want to go. I want to see those teams. You know, I, what I, mean? I definitely think in the long term they want they want OU and te- Texas to succeed um, because I, I think the battle moving forward is okay. Well, there's this many of elite conferences now. Well, there's I guess really only going to be two in the eyes of most fans. But which is the better conference? Like though the ESPN debate shows, you're probably going to see a lot of that moving forward. Which is the better conference, the new Big Ten or the new SEC? And I don't know if at the end of the day, if the SEC is thought of as the better conference, if that gets you more money in the end when they renew their TV deals, however many years down the road. But you know perception is a pretty big thing. And the SEC wants to be known as the power conference in all of college football. I think they are right now, but OU and Texas being good in the long term only fuels that even more. No, I agree with that. And I think when it, when it comes to if we were just to compare their additions, Tyler, like USC-UCLA versus OU-Texas, I mean, brand-wise, it's not even close. No, UCLA drags that down significantly. It drags it down, but, I mean, yes, they get the L.A. market, you know, the L.A. TV market, but – Goodness gracious! You talk to people in LA; they don't even know that they have college football there. <laughs> like so, yeah. so I mean, yeah, you're not real bought in. But even USC, I mean, you look at just their like social media stuff; like their brand isn't that big, really. I mean, when you look at how it compares to some of the actual college football, like you know, powerhouses, blue bloods, whatever you want to say. But yeah, and I think recent recent success. Um, you know, national championships. Um, I, th- I think the SEC is going to have just such a leg up for the longest time because when you think of the Big Ten, you know, you think of their top dogs being Ohio State and Michigan. Well, Ohio State, you know, they're always good. But when you look at how many national titles they've won in the last, like, you know, 40 years, 
it's not that much more like we feel like we're in a drought. You know, Ohio State hasn't had that many uh, either. So I know it feels like they've got 10 in that time. They really don't. Yeah, they got what, 2002 and 2014, uh, I think is what they have uh, in the past or you know, since 2000. All right, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. More OU coming up on the other side. Keep it locked on the ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. 1940. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Uh, I. <laughs> I love this uh, message board post on TexAgs.com, which, if you're not familiar with the message board world, uh, that is a Texas A&M. It's the Texas A&M message board site, TexAgs.com. This was on Message Board's Geniuses, which is basically a Twitter account that exposes all of the ridiculous things that are said on message boards. The title, Travis, is Castiglione and Del Conti, which is spelled wrong. The Sopranos are coming. A, a user by the name of Trailer Trash says, 2023 will be the last year before the Big 12 crime families infiltrates the greatest sports conference in America. Rule changes, tampering, hand-picked zebras, whistle-whipping, clocks with speed controls, hidden cameras, compromised communication gear, every imaginable scheme and scam will descend on the SEC. It will be the worst thing to hit the South since Reconstruction. ESPN will ruin the media coverage with a firm grip on Feinbaum's testicles, and there will not be a thing anyone can do about it. Here is to the last great season of college football. I don't even know where to start with that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Tex Eggs is consistently on message board geniuses, and they are... To, to nobody's surprise, the biggest um, opponents of the OU Texas uh, move. They were the ones that tried to oppose it in the first place, like legitimately block it in the first place uh, because they lose so many of their advantages. And, Tyler, they, uh, they're definitely jaded because they've been pushed around by Texas before. Uh, so I think you're starting to see a bit of that panic set in, um, and it's just coming across in different in different ways, whether it's, you know, complete denial, whether it's hate, whether it's delusion, anything like that, it's it's all panic. Yeah, well, it's not a it, it's not necessarily a great thing for A and M. Like A and M stands, to, you know, the most to lose out of all of this, right? Like especially if, you know, the same thing that's happened in you know several decades continues to happen moving forward, which is Texas beats up on A and M and OU beats up on A and M. Then A&M had that recruiting pitch for a decade to where they said, all right, you can go to UT or OU, but we're the only SEC school in the state of Texas. That meant something. I, I think that A&M benefited a yes. lot for, from that. They don't have that now. So if you combine that and they're not beating Texas and OU on a regular basis, then I think, I, I think A&M, there, there could be a lot to lose there for them. So I, now, I, I t- could understand the panic a bit. Yeah, and we talk about, uh, you know, remember Leon O'Neill? A lot of yes. people called him Leon Slow Neal. Um, he had a he had a tweet that was, you know, and it wasn't a big miss by OU or anything like that. It's not like Leon O'Neill was a transcendent player at A and M, but like he had a tweet that said, "I'm 
I'm not a Big 12 player. I'm an SEC player. Like I'm 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 good enough to play against the best. And whether that was true or not, Tyler, that is what A&M told him. That's why he went there. He went to A&M specifically because it was an SEC school. So we have legitimate evidence of a blue chip player saying I'm too good for the Big 12. I want to go to the SEC. And and he's just the one that said that publicly. Like right. It, exactly. And him saying that means you know that that's what A&M put into his brain on recruiting visits. Hey, man, you're too good to play in the Big 12. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the, the NFL draft numbers? Like, have you seen – well, you know, if you look at the NFL draft numbers by team, it might be a little bit different. But he's like, if you look at the NFL draft numbers, man, the SEC, man, it's where all the good ones play. If you want to be tested and play, you know, week in, week out against the best in the country, you're too good to play in the Big 12. Come play in the SEC. And he parroted those things on Twitter for everybody to see. So you know everybody's saying it. Uh, text line: This pissy pant wine bags. They're about. They're up. They're just upset because five and six is about to be three and eight, and their daddy is back in the same conference again to start the beatings up again. Uh, Gary and Rock, Rockwall says a is scared seventy-seven nothing. So no love lost there. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it's and that's the thing. They haven't really like when they first went in. You know, they had some success, Johnny Football, that kind of situation. But, like, they really haven't done – they've been, you know, no good as well. No good still. Four losses a year, you know. Still haven't done anything, you know, since the 30s. And they, But they want to beat their chest and say, hey, we're, we're Texas's SEC school. Here's the thing. When you are – when you are trying to recruit, when you're trying to build an identity – you can't put all your chips in something that can change, Tyler. You can't say the reason you come to Texas A&M is because we are Texas's SEC school. And then a few years later, you are not Texas's at like you're not the only one. Yeah. Like so I mean, hopefully, well, I I guess hopefully for their sake, like they've they've kind of put their chips other places, but it seems for the longest time it was, hey, SEC if you want to come to the SEC, you play for us. Uh, speaking of conferences, is the Pac-12 going to be around in three years? Because it sounds like Apple is uh, leading the uh, neg- well. I I know I. <laughs> I mean, Apple is like leading the negotiations right now for their new media deal. It's not a great thing. I, I guess you think no, they won't be around in three years. Well, it, it'll be it'll be interesting because conference realignment. Like I said, it's it's a it's a hot issue, right? We talk about it all the time, and I just don't think, I don't know, I, I actually think your mark is more likely to pick off some schools. Uh, I don't really trust the Pac-12's kind of leadership. I mean, what were the schools they were, what, UNLV and, no, was it San Diego San State? San Diego SMU? State, uh, I guess they're saying no to Rice, rights, but it was San Diego State and, God, who else was it? I, I, was I it SMU or UNLV? It was, or? it was SMU is who it was, yes. That was the yeah, other school. Yeah, and it's, it's tough. Once you start trying to get there, it's like, I feel like everybody and their mom is waiting on Notre Dame and Oregon or Washington and Oregon, whichever, whichever way you want to look at it, right? Because like, you're not going to have an odd number of teams. So if Oregon and Notre Dame end up, you know, getting poached by the Big Ten or something like that, then, you know, the pack is left with an odd number of teams, becomes hard schedule-wise. And if you lose Oregon, man, if you're, you're really going to the table with, 
with nothing because they don't just a lot like the Big 12 does. They don't have any historically good teams. Like they don't, they lose their blue bloods. You have to have somebody that's a blue blood in your conference to point to to say, hey, look, there's some history in this conference. Yeah, Oregon's trying to get out as fast as they can of this thing. I'm sure. Yeah, they I don't want to be Big Ten bound. I mean, and I mean, th- this could really damage. Well, it, it could really affect Oregon's. You know, next five. Obviously, longer than the next five to ten years, but. It's going to be a lot tougher on Oregon if they're left out in the dust of the uh, of the massive uh, you know two conferences that are out there and they're not in one. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to wonder Tyler if they could get something going, kind of like Notre Dame has with NBC, like an like Man, hey if we can secure it if we can secure a TV deal, like we'd rather be independent than be with the pack. Yeah, because I because I mean it's kind of like okay, do you want to be you know on a sinking ship? Or do you want to try and uh, you know at least at least fight for it, Jim in Arlington? How low are you when you begrudgingly invite a pasta school? Yeah, it's like Josh Pate always says: don't lose don't, to food. Don't lose to food. <laughs> Rice is indeed food. All right, well we'll get to more of your texts coming up next. We'll uh, close up hour number one of, uh, of the rush on the other side. Keep it locked right here on the ref. Hotel 405-447-9000 or online at nced-hotel.com. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Yeah, that wasn't pretty last night at the LNC, was it? Uh, Texas Tech, four yeah. wins in a row now. They beat OU 74-63. I mean, I, I knew OU was uh, really in trouble when Tech had, what, 13 turnovers in the first half and still led by two at halftime. OU had opportunities in the first half to extend the lead. They were just never able to do it. A bad shooting night um, from be, from three point line around the rim. It just offensively it was it was it was a bad night. No other way to say it. Yeah, and it was almost, I mean, poetic for Harmon to get that last steal and for Texas Tech's last two buckets to be uncontested dunks. One of them was out of a timeout. Yep, wide open too. Wide I mean, open. Out of a timeout. You. Uh, it's just. Yeah, it's we've got a couple studs on the way, but you know you need help in the transfer portal, and I know we talk about it a lot, Tyler. But you know, a big guy like Tanner Groves is tall. You need a big guy, and unfortunately, getting a big guy in the portal is much like getting a top defensive lineman. Everybody wants them. Yeah, they so, they need they need plural big guys down low. I mean, right. one, I'll start with one. I mean, that would be great, but you can't, at least I don't think, you can't rely on a big guy to play 40 minutes night in and night out in the Big 12. You're going to have to have someone that can come off the bench and, and give you good minutes as a big down low. Um, I just, I, I don't know if they have, they don't have the front line guy, and I don't think they have the depth at that position either. Ne- next year kind of feels like a real make or break season um, next year, probably for Porter Moser. We'll see what happens, but Last night was rough, and if this wasn't already the case, it is now. They're going to have to make a magical run in Kansas City to have not only a shot at the NCAA tournament, but maybe a shot at any postseason at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, it's it's frustrating, but hey, there's still a chance with that tournament, Tyler. Yeah, um, they're going to have to play on the first night, though. Right? They're probably going to be the 10 seed in that tournament. It's going to be tough. Oh, they're absolutely going to be the yeah. 10 seed. All right, hour number two coming up next. Keep it locked in the ref.